Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. If I talk about church, then put the word safe in with church, what comes to your mind? Does church always feel safe to people? You know, it's, you're walking into a building, and, and we, especially in the South, have grown up knowing that the church is a, is a building, and, and that's not the truth. That's, hey, this is where we worship the Lord. This is a beautiful place, and we're thankful for God to do that. But we do know that we had two big old 20 by 40 tents in our backyard, and we had just about this many people under those tents as a church. So, so the building does not make the church. The people make the church. And so when people walk into a community, do they feel safe? When, when believers are in sin, and now I'm speaking now to the believers, and if you're not a believer, I'd be glad to sit down and explain this to you. But when, when the men and women that have been adopted into God's kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ would... would Later at the end of the service, we will do in remembrance of what Jesus did through communion. But when, when we're in sin, the reason we don't talk about our sin to other believers is because we don't feel safe. And that is a ploy of the enemy to get us where we try to harbor and hide the sins in our life because we just don't feel safe. So safe is what a person should feel after being adopted into God's family. Safe is how a person should feel when entering the body of our church. Feeling safe when sharing his or her struggles and when being loved and restored by the body. That, that, that people should feel safe when they're confessing their sins and when they're sharing with where they're struggling. But they should also feel safe when they're being restored. See, there's a second part of that. You just don't supposed to come before the church and say, hey, I'm just really hooked on pornography right now. Well, we'll pray for you, Paul, because you're hooked on pornography right now. No, there's a, there's a, there's a process that takes place to restore a brother or sister in Christ to make them feel safe as they're being restored because we're all sinners. And if we start looking at other people's sin and say, well, man, at least I'm not doing that that can create an unsafe atmosphere. But what if we discover and carry out what God wants for us? To have an environment that will make available a safe place to discover all of what God wants for you and for me. Without feeling beat down, shamed, or outcast. And I have to believe that God can do this because it's in his word. That's the model that he taught. He said, come before me, all the ones who are sick. I did not come for the ones who are healthy. I come for the ones who are sick. Secondly, what if this carried over into our homes? What if this understanding of God's love and grace 
and, and restoration and sanctification and, and we're, we're purified by the blood and we're sanctified by the spirit. But what, what if we started understanding that to a depth through his word that it carried over into our homes? And that wives were being felt safe because of the way their husband was loving them. And children were being under a safe protection of knowing that a unified husband and wife or glorifying God in the decisions that they make, that their home will be there next month. Not because God is a respecter of any person, but because of God's word is true in what it says. Just what if this carried over into our homes to impact our, not only our families, but our communities as we love, serve, and share in sin. And as a result, what if the unbelieving community so now we get to the unbelieving community. Everything I just spoke was just for the believer. If you're not a believer in Christ, any of those things I just said, you're exempt from. You can do whatever you want. I pray that you come to know Jesus. I pray that he comes to you. But what if as a result of us having a safe environment to grow in the Lord... An unbelieving community around us would see for maybe the first time our God is a loving God who wants them to discover his purposes for their lives while healing them spiritually, mentally, physically. The three things that God truly wants to do in us. Make no mistake, God did not call people to himself to be safe. God calls us into his family to live a radical life. To live a safe life, but a radical life. God did call his people to have a safe environment to learn these disciplines. Jesus taught these men. as He said, come, follow me. They lived a radical life, but they had opportunities in a safe environment where they weren't being judged, but they were being questioned and asking questions to them to let them have a self-discovery of how they could be less like the world and more like their Father in heaven. So how do we get to this place? I'm fixing to, in 20 minutes, give you two messages bound together. And if this is your first time here, I'm notorious for this. Everybody like, Paul, you just preached two messages. So hold on. It's like a ride at Carowind. How do we get to this place? Before I go any further, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead every word that comes out of my mouth. Lord God, we love you. We give it over to you today, Father. We give it over to you Holy Spirit, to counsel, to direct, to guide the words, that every word that was spoken would be to build up and not to tear down, that God, that you would have your way in us today. Let your word abound. Let your word transform from the inside out. We give it all to you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So number one thing that we can do to start working towards a safe community of believers. Today's message will be primarily pointed at the one who confesses that Jesus is their Lord. Next week will be more of the family and how it goes out of here into our homes and our communities, our workplace. And the third week will be focused on how do we relate to the lost world. That's the three steps that we're going to take. But today we're talking to the believers 
the number one thing that I believe that God has spoken to my heart as I prayed through this in the past week is that we have to be honest. There has to be honesty. Honesty is the only way to be true to ourselves, to true to where we're at. Understand it sometimes that half the battle is just understanding that you have a struggle. Amen? It's like, oh, at least we know now that I have a struggle, so now I can be open to God working in my heart on that. So the book of Proverbs, I'm going to move over here. Proverbs chapter 27, we're going to start with verse 5, and we're going to go through these really quickly. And if God tells us to slow down, we'll slow down. But it says in 27.5, it says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. So what is a rebuke? It means to speak into a brother or sister's life that is living out of God's will. And, and rebukes are to be, see, see, when you hear the word rebuke, especially if you grow up in the South and some of the churches that I grew up in, man, you hear the word rebuke, you thought you were fixing to get screamed at. You thought you were fixing to be smited. You thought you were fixing to be pressed down, beaten with a whip, and just turned out, thrown out. But, but rebuke is actually a form of love. It's like our parents saying, no, you touch that, it's going to burn you. Rebuke is to say, hey, that is dangerous. Don't do that. I've been there. I saw what that can happen. That can, that's a bad road. Don't go down that road. So an open rebuke is better than hidden love. But so many times as a church, we're so worried about hurting someone's feelings that we want to have this hidden love. Oh, man, I love my brother. He's a good man. I know he's got them struggles, but we, we're going to let God just work on that. What I'm fixing to teach you will not work if the context of relationship is void. I need to say that again because our church needs to hear this. If you have not put in the time to know that a person loves you, cares about you, cries over you, wants the best for you, and the relationship is not there, and you go in preaching over someone, a person does not care how much you know until they know how much you care. But an open rebuke is better than hidden love. So which is the safer scenario? There's a clear danger that a fellow believer is in and they're not able to see it, but you can. Isn't that the way it is? Nobody told me I was getting fat five years ago. None of y'all told me I was getting fat five years ago. How dare you? I was like, Barbara, am I putting on weight? My britches. Oh, you look good, baby. <laughs> Keep on eating. Oh, look good. So is it safe? Is it okay to just let it be brushed under in that scenario? Or is it safer to warn them or to stay quiet and hope for the best? Because sometimes that's what I do. I stay quiet and I hope for the best. Boy, I really hope they make it through that binge. Look, we can't be the Holy Spirit, but we can lovingly go and say, man, that's not what God's word wants for you. And they may or may, they got to make a decision. That man, woman, child, they may or may not make the right decision after you speak that love into them. But they have 
God's part, my part, and their part. And the only thing I can be responsible for is my part. God's going to always do his part. And we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to let the other person decide what their part looks like. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. When you offer a rebuke or a rebuke is offered to you by a friend, generally one of two things happen. Anger or repentance. One of my mentors, Tracy Turner, I remember 10 years ago said that. He said, you speak truth into someone's life. He said, I promise you one of two things are going to happen. They're going to get really mad and walk off from you or they're going to start a process of turning from it and turning back to the Lord. Anger repented. It's painful when a fellow believer calls us out in something that's not good for us, though. But again, if we have the right relationship, we have the right love, we've, we've served, we're, we're in the spirit of God and we're to do it in love with the, with the whole purpose of restoration, not the whole purpose of to point at someone else. Because it says that we need to go search our own eyes. Take the log out of your eyes before you take the splinter out of your brothers. Amen. We have to search our heart continuously. It's a heart issue. People don't have sin issues. They have heart issues. And we're sinful. 27.7, a person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. When being instructed, we have to be willing to take instruction. You've got to be teachable. Look out for people who are teachable. And work towards being teachable yourselves. Don't try to spend hours of your week every week preaching to someone that's not ready to receive. You're going to run that person slap out of your life. Speak the truth in love one time. Know that they say, do you understand what I just said to you? And they said, yes. I promise you, two weeks down the road, they didn't forget it. They're being reminded of it every day. Our job then is to take them and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Hey, I've got a sin in my life. Can I tell you what's going on in my life? Pray for me. I love you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 27, 8 says, The person who stays, strays from home is like a bird that strays from its nest. We have to buy into our church family. Don't just go through the motions. Being a part of a church family isn't showing up on Sunday mornings. It's so much deeper. But this world wants to pull you away from the flock. It does not want you to experience the depth of the love that God has for you. It does not want you to understand the purpose that God created you for. It does want you to feel shameful. It does want you to feel dirty. It does want you to think that you can never, ever go back into the flock because of the things that you have done. And that is a lie from Satan, and he has been beaten by the blood of Jesus Christ, and he is under our feet. I love that. Amen. So where has God called you? Find out ways you can grow in relationships with other family. And if you're having a hard time connecting with this family, come talk to me. I know 25 or 30 pastors in this city. I'm coaching two of them. I bet you, I just bet you that if you're not connecting here, I can help you find a home where you can connect.
Because it's not about Dream Center. It's about God's kingdom. Let's find out where you can grow. Where you want to go and be with people. Where you want to hang out with people. If you're coming here for the last year or two years and like, boy, I sure, I'm going to go listen to Paul. I sure don't want to hang out with them folks. This ain't the right place for you right now. <laughs> them mugs is crazy. It's okay. Not everybody's made to hang out with crazy. That's why God gave us all different gifts. Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Instruction that is healthy can only come from a healthy heart. Instruction that is healthy only comes from a healthy heart. Instruction from a healthy heart is a very, it's very satisfying to the, purpose, to the person being taught. When I know... I tell y'all about Bill and Patsy so much when I'm standing up here. Bill and they live in Virginia. We got to see them last week. We were so excited. We were giddy and we were just, oh. Man, Bill can hit me in between the eyes with something hard. And I go, I love that, Bill. I just, you're right. I'm just messed up. Oh, no, you're not messed up. You just got something you need to address, buddy. Okay. I'm excited to get this hard news from Bill. I'm like, God, give me the ability to just pop people between the eyes and them smile about it. <laughs> God, God's been giving Bill and Patsy that ability. See, this is where church can feel safe or unsafe. If we're going out and practicing that, but we haven't understood the ability to build people up instead of tearing them down. And, and you say, man, I'm part of that church. But every time I come around, I feel like they're trying to rip a piece of me out. Boy, they beating me up. I'm just feeling like I'm, I'm worse off when I go to church. That's an unsafe church. But when a person can come into a safe church and they said, man, I'm going to hear the truth today. Because a church that's not teaching the truth is a false prophet. And that's a very unsafe place. I'm going to hear the truth today. And they're going to love me depending on whether I respond to it or not. And there might be ramifications. There might be things I get to do and not do in the context of the body, but they are going to love me whether I perform or not, whether I'm transformed or not. They're going to love me through this season of my life. Why? Because God did that for us. That's how he grows his children. Proverbs 27.10, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Are we doing life with one another to the extent that we know when each other's hurting at a high level? If you have to, if you know that these are your friends and you've got your little cell groups, your home groups, your racquetball groups, your pool playing groups, the, the bowling alley groups, the fishing groups, the garden groups, the hand up groups, whatever group you're in. Those people in that group are the people that God's telling you to be very interested in and understand what's going on in their lives. Because if they're going through struggles and you're oblivious to it, guess what? You got to search your heart. Because God's not going to put you in the midst of other sheep. And you're not going to get to know those sheep. So are you oblivious to things that are going around you? Proverbs 27, 11, Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics. Proverbs 27, 12, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. 
The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. See, we have to first be honest with ourselves that we are in desperate need of a Savior. That's the first thing of honesty. We have to say, God, I need you. I'm messed up without you. We have to know that we need a Savior. We have to be honest about changes that we need to make to grow in our relationship with God and in relationship with our church family. It's a, it's a twofold thing. That you, you, there's things that you've got to get out of your lives in order to be able to have this communion with God. It says that clearly. We're going to talk about that. It says, do not come to this altar and partake communion if you have bitterness and anger and sin in your heart that you have not addressed. Question, are you walking through life Blindly, or are you practicing preventive maintenance in your walk with Christ and your church family? I know what I'm fixing to do is going to be a little bit of um, reading of the scriptures. So I'm going to ask everybody just to kind of go, just a little bit, just a little bit, Barbara. Shake it off right now because that sleepy bug be trying to come on you because my voice is kind of messed up. I ain't got that great preaching voice. Like, oh. So you're just like, oh, you done put me to sleep. So I'm going to fiction to read in the book of John. And when you read an entire book, chapter of the book of John, everybody go be out there. Lowry, wake up. <laughs> Lowry works for us so we can mess with him. We love Lowry. So we just went through this series where Jesus says, come, follow me. In John 16 and 17, he's preparing these disciples that followed him for his departure from this earth. He's talking to them. This is good. This relates. It's going to connect. You just have to stay with me. He shares with them that he is the true vine and his father, his father is the gardener or the pruner, right? He's telling these disciples, hey, I am in my father. My father is in me. And my father is the one who is pruning and these disciples have been following him for over three years, and he's fixing, Jesus is fixing to go to the cross. This is the last communication and teaching that he's given these disciples. Then he goes on to say that the world would hate them as they have hated him. Then he shares what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes. He's talking about all these things. And, and they're so messed up, the only thing that they can focus on is, they didn't even ask him, where are you going? They just said, why are you going? And finally, he prays to his father on behalf of his disciples. Folks, in John 17, you've got to get a picture in your mind, believers, of what's taking place in order to hang on to this. But this is a picture of our Lord Jesus speaking to his father on the behalf of these disciples. And not only these disciples, but the ones that these disciples will make. That means us too. So he is speaking on our behalf right now. As you read these words, you're going to hear what Jesus is saying to the father. You hold on. And it says, after saying all these things, that was the thing I just talked about, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. That means he's fixing to go to, to the cross. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him, and this is the way to have eternal life. How's that? To know 
You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know the Father through Jesus that he sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. You ever want to get anybody that wants to argue the Trinity's with you? Say, take them to this. The glory we shared before the earth began. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. That means that the Father has to give all of this saving. We can't save people. But only the Father can bring people out. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold, talking about Judas. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Listen to this. Got to hear this. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. You are holy. You have been made holy by the word of God, by the spirit of God. I am praying not only for these disciples, listen to this, because what I said is true, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Do you believe? That's what he's talking to, and he's going to the Father on your behalf right now. I pray they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Relationships, right? That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me, Father. I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. You've got to understand, I can't preach safe 
without reciting that prayer to the Father on your behalf. Paul can't keep you safe. This building can't keep you safe. These five elders in this church can't keep you safe. But the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for you as you repent and believe will keep you safe. God loves, God's love consumes us and leads us to love each other. This makes a safe environment. Jesus' prayer was not for the world, but for the ones God had given him. Jesus not only sent those disciples into the world, but he gave himself as a holy sacrifice for his disciples. Jesus died for you. Not just because you are a wretched sinner going to hell, but because it brought glory to his father. He made you holy. When you're sitting there and you're feeling very messed up and, and you've thought about all the sinful things that you've done in the past three to four to five days. And you say, man, I can't go to church, man. I can't go be a part of my family. I'm living in sin. Only thing you got to do is say, hey, um, I'm living in sin and I don't want to anymore. God says, come on back over here. Let me put a robe around you. Let me, put, let me kill the fatty calf. Let me put the ring on you. Hey, my son who was once as lost is now is found. Let's rejoice. I'm finishing up here. Jesus not only sent those disciples into the world, but he gave himself as a holy sacrifice for his disciples. This makes us holy in Christ, which is very safe. This message is for believers today as well. I am praying this is part of that scripture I just read. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for the, all who will ever believe in me through their message. That means for you. There is safety in being united in Christ. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. That's Jesus' word to the Father. That's some of the last words that Jesus spoke to the Father on your behalf. We have safety in eternal life. There is safety in letting Jesus lead your life. There is safety in the family of God. Question. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm not talking about hearing his name your whole life. I'm not talking about... If he, does he know you, I guess, is the better thing. You might have heard his name, but do you know him? Do you feel him in your life wanting to guide and lead and direct you into a, love, a loving manner, to love people, to lay down everything for him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Will you give it all to him? If not, would you ask to be brought into God's family today? That's a direct question. I hardly ever ask that, but I'm asking it today. If you don't know him today and if you're not sure if you know him today, will you ask him today? And don't let me convince you because I don't want to be one of those pastors to do that. But is the Spirit of God sitting here speaking with you right now on I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to enter into a safe zone. I'm ready to be in that circle of life. I'm ready to be healed spiritually, mentally, and physically. I want to get to know Him. And that's where His Word comes into play. Would you ask to be brought into God's family today through Jesus Christ? We started this message in Proverbs today about, talking about honesty. 
I would not be an honest pastor if I didn't tell you the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So have you made a commitment to live for him? And if not, would you like to make that commitment today? So that's the message. And Before we pray, after I pray, worship team's going to come up here and, and we're going to worship. And we have communion here. So communion is the remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on that cross after he shared this. That his body was broken. That his blood was spilled out. And he was teaching that to even his disciples. He said, hey, this is what you're going to do in remembrance of me. So when we take this, don't take this if your heart ain't where you want to be with Jesus. If you got, if you got unrepentant sin, if you're not ready to let go of something, if you've got hatred or, or, or bad thoughts against other people in your heart, search your heart first. It says in the word, search your heart before you come do this because it can come back on you. It's a heart thing, right? This is juice and bread, but it's representing the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And maybe this altar is where you want to be. Maybe you want to come up and speak with me or one of the other elders, and, and, and you want to be prayed over. But today's the day that you get a fresh start. Today's the day that you get to say, I want to learn what it means to be a part of God's family. And he loves you. He does. And if today's not the day, he still loves you. No matter how far you run, he'll still be sitting there waiting on you, patiently waiting for you to come back. But take it from my old 52-year-old, fat, my 52, old man that's, that's kind of fluffy that ran from Jesus for a long time. I never had peace in my life like I do today. I promise you, I've probably never had the kind of trials and struggles in my life like I do today. But I promise you, I've never experienced the peace that God gives in the middle of that. And that's a testament to who God is and not anything we're doing as husband and wife. Let's pray together. We go into worship. And then Tyler and, and Mr. Jim, would you mind handing out the bread right here too? We're going to do it with tongs because of still the COVID threat and everything. So just come and they'll serve you with the, with the bread and, and you can grab your juice. But um, we got Tyler and Jim's going to be up here to hand out the bread. So we're going to pray, and then, and then we're going to go to worship and take communion. And after that, I'll just one minute come up and just send you all out. God, we love you. We thank you for this word. We ask that it would just pierce our hearts, open our eyes to the truth and the depth of the love that you have for us and your family. You are a mighty God, Lord, and we live in the safety of your sovereignty and love and grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.